0: short story long episode two here we are um this week i'm talking to my business partner d murthy uh d has been my good friend for years my business partner in young and reckless he's sort of really the you know the unsung hero of young and reckless a lot of people obviously saw what i did on tv and what um, you know the episodes and stuff we did but nobody knew kind of the the real partnership behind it or what really went into it so this is Dee, um, he's been with me for six years now on, on Young and Reckless and um, he's had a brand of his own called 5-4 uh, for probably close to 10 years prior to that. So just a great guy with a lot of knowledge on in clothing and apparel and has been through it all, has experienced it all and is a lot of the reason why I'm even here and why Young and Reckless even exists. Um, so here it is, D Murthy. Let's hear about it, let's learn about clothing. we are live ladies and gentlemen we're live uh we are here with a very special guest and that is my good friend and my business partner d murthy hi d hey drama how are you i'm good man how are you i'm good it's friday yeah got you my little mini what, tequila what's weird is uh doing an interview type thing with somebody after you've just seen them the entire day yeah and spoke the entire day and then we just had to act like we haven't spoke
1: yeah, I have to pretend that yeah, we uh going to act like I just met you. Yeah. You're me? So
0: this isn't really like a very special guest because we've talked all day and we talk all day every day, but he's still a very special guest. Um, um Dee, why don't you uh give the the audience here uh just a brief kind of tell them who you are, how old are you, where are you from?
1: So What do you do? So I am the ripe old age of 35, Woo! which uh if you had told someone 21 years old, my, my 21 year old self, 35 year old, I'd be dead. Yeah, old uh, as shit. Old right as shit. Kids? And uh, so I uh, met you now probably seven, eight years ago. Yep, We uh, met because I have another brand called Five Four that I've had for 14 years Yep, and uh, you clothing brand, just to clarify, yeah, it's a clothing brand that's been in LA for quite some time, mm-hmm. and we met because a mutual friend yep. said, uh, originally, we met because we were gonna pay you on the Fantasy Factory Ooh, to wear man. five four.
0: And we'll get to should we I feel like we should wait on that in the story. Let's yeah. wait on that in the story. But that's a good part of the story. And uh Man, you got screwed. Really <laughs> you could have paid me five hundred bucks a month and you never would have had to deal with me. All right, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, um keep going.
1: Yeah, so started this brand quite some time ago at a USC.
0: Uh, yeah, so let's I guess let's be a little bit so uh the The question then, I guess, would just be: How did you start? Five Four was your first clothing line. How did you? Uh, how did that get started? Where did the idea come from?
1: So uh, we were at, we were at USC. We were in the entrepreneurship program, and yeah. when you're in that program, the first day of class, they ask you: You're going to spend the year developing a business. Yeah. Uh, you could do whatever you want, but that year, you're committed to it. Come up with an idea and whatever. Yeah. And. We had, uh, my friend and I, Andres, who's now my business partner for the last 14 years, yep. we had just uh, come from a trip in New York, and, you know, we had just visited New York, some friends, and Andres was just raving about this store in New York, and he was like, we have to go go to this store. It just came to America. Everyone's talking about it, and it's like cheap, really cool clothes. Yep. And this is like 2001 fall, I believe, right. and... Uh, I think uh we had just gone summer vacation and we walk into the store and I was never into fashion because I couldn't afford anything. I had no money. Yeah. And so we go into the store, I go pick up this jacket, I try it on, I look at the price tag and it's like thirty bucks. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, what's the name of the store? And it was H&M, oh, and it, just, there it, is. it had just launched in America, and this store was a zoo. There was like 10,000 people in it, it just opened. Yeah. And I was like, this is how fashion should be. Like, yeah. someone like a dorky Indian kid from the valley <laughs> yeah. can walk up on Fifth Avenue and wear a fly jacket. And yeah. I was just blown away. I was never into fashion, but after walking to that store, we came back to SC, and I told Andres, I think we should start a clothing company as our business plan did you have a dream growing up dream growing up was to always be an entrepreneur just entrepreneur because did you
0: ever have like an nba dream or
1: i yeah i I think up, up until 12 i was convinced that i was going to the nba yeah um and then all like the black kids I grew up with got really tall and strong and yeah. I was still a chubby Indian kid yeah. and they were dunking on me Devastating. And, and then my mom was like, I think it's time to wrap that up. So I picked yeah. up tennis and I crushed at tennis cause yeah, much more Indian in, in in the valley An Indian kid playing tennis is like, that fits. it fits, yeah. it works. Um, and you know, less physical violence after the, <laughs> yeah. after the matches, I was like an enforcer. Yeah. Like I used to punk the kids at Palisades high school.
0: But you're not doing that after a basketball game. No, no,
1: no. So, uh, you know, dream was really just to to do my own thing. Yeah. So as you got
0: older, it was just go to college, be an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah. Like even in college, I started my first. I started an internet company in 1998. It was like pre Facebook, pre everything. It was just a community for like college kids to kind of chat and talk and kind of share. God. If you looked at the site and realized the time of that I'd put it out. It it was really it was on the forefront. I just didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. But um I ended up wrapping that business up in two thousand one and then we started talking about doing five four. And really the the genesis of like the idea was from walking into an H&M. Yeah. But the name is the, really the funniest part. Yeah. Tell the,
0: I mean, like I said, I, I, we know each other very well and I know the name, but tell, tell everyone how, where that came from. Keep in mind D is yeah. a 35 year old Indian man, very smart, well-dressed from the Valley. Here's the story of how he got his clothing line
1: name. So we were, uh, we had a, you know, we were used to have all these dumb sayings in college. Like we would just catch on whatever like was going still on. Still do usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and rap and whatever was going on. We we would just we would just take a word or a phrase and just say it a thousand times and drove everyone crazy. Yeah. And randomly at we had heard the word five four, mm-hmm. and we were kind of intrigued by it. We started doing some research, and it ended up meaning like one love five minus four equals one, and we were just. We were mesmerized by this Incredible, thought,
0: man. the the power of hip hop influence.
1: Yeah. So we were just mesmerized by this like word phrase. So we start saying it next thing, you know, the whole damn school is saying it. So we decided to call the clothing line five four. Yeah. Our first T-shirt, which is not going to win any design awards yeah. was a simple subtra- subtraction five minus four equals one oh, man. that Just was our, in case yeah <laughs> short at usc yeah so that was our best best-selling t-shirt for quite some time but yeah we launched the we launched the brand and you know we snuck in to the magic show right our first uh week of school we yep. drove to vegas and, yep. for, and so is this yeah. sorry
0: sorry to interrupt is this all still part of the project at this point you're still in the first year
1: yeah so we're still in the first year and what we realized was We're like, we start doing our research. uh, It's called the feasibility study. Like, can you do this business? And we start looking at it and we're like, you know what? There's a lot of stupid fucking people in clothing and we're pretty smart. I think we can make it here. Because this is like the tech boom had just busted. Uh, You know, everyone was going back into finance and technology and, you know,
0: so you didn't think you were the smartest guy in the world, but you knew you were the smartest guy, and it could be the smartest guy in clothing.
1: Yeah, because like I, if, when I used to go to tech conferences or go to a finance uh, internship, everyone was really smart. Yeah, and I was like, I'd rather be, you know, yeah, the, no, the guess, biggest fish yeah. in a small pond yeah. in terms of intelligence. And if, if you're, if you ever, you know, been around the clothing business, it is. It's just a bunch of hustlers, yeah, and with very little thought or intelligence. That it is, yeah. And and clothing just looked like the dream scenario for me, Because yeah. I was like, oh my god, these guys are like retard[s]. Yeah. Like we can really, really kill here. Yeah,
0: you got to know your place, I guess. Like try to try to be the smartest guy in the room, not the uh, not the dumbest.
1: Yeah, like after the whole basketball thing didn't work out in the NBA. Yeah, it's like
0: the opposite of that. Yeah, exactly. You was, leave basketball. Yeah, but you knew there's an entry. It's like you're the tallest guy in class. You know you should play basketball. Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, so, so let me just say you're at um so you're still within this first year. What were the other kids' projects like? I mean, was it tech stuff or
1: yeah, so there was the funniest project of this uh class was a guy that actually uh, saved up maybe fifteen years of his uh life savings to come back to USC Uh and take this program. And so, you know, at the end of the first semester, everyone presents what you've been working on. Everyone's done tons of research. So this guy, uh, bear in mind, USC is in the heart of LA. So a driving culture. He wants to do a drive-through Mexican restaurant concept and everyone's like, okay, cool, starts going through it. But his catch was that he was gonna sell margaritas in the drive thru. Oh man. And, oh, you know, boy. poor guy, you know, he uh yeah. uh didn't realize that you can't serve uh Open, <laughs> open containers for somebody containers.
0: in their car window. <laughs> yeah. So
1: the whole margarita guy I was like, oh man, this is this is gonna be a rough day Did you make it the whole year? Yeah, unfortunately. I he went
0: the whole year with that plan. Yeah. And his kicker was that he's gonna just
1: yeah. break the law. There was a there was another one who actually uh a fast food sushi concept called Fushi, oh, which gosh. which is now uh, John Turgeon and uh, Brian Toll, nice guy Bootsy Bellows, who ran. That was their plan. Yes. Oh man, <laughs>
0: that's a friend of ours. Those are friends of ours who now own nightclubs and and restaurants in L.A. But obviously they came a long way from Fushi. Yeah. And now they're very successful. Yeah.
1: So Holy we. Uh, so you know there was there was a lot of technology ideas. There was a lot of everything. It was all over the place. Yeah. Um, so let me just say, not to get off track. I mean, I guess
0: then. So while everyone else is developing fushi and trying to figure out their margarita mix, you guys are sneaking into the uh, to the magic trade show in in Vegas. Yeah, well, how did that go?
1: So we had heard about this trade show and that it was this incredible kind of event weekend of people getting together and buyers, retailers, magazine editors, and we we were like, we have to be there. Yeah so we drive up to this place and we sneak in we make fake business cards we make a fake kind of business license and sales tax thing that you had to prove yeah so we do all these things we get into the show and it was we were like a kid in a candy store yeah and this is like this is the peak time of of retail in um, in in america in my opinion um the way the brands were growing retailers were doing credit like the sean john rock aware days. yeah so like as a hip-hop kid i was enamored with all these the sean john uh, rock aware yeah. every rapper bow wow had shago uh outcast clothing snoop dog clothing and that's
0: back when they all used to go right yeah they were all there
1: yeah like we would we like we walked the show jay-z and damon dash are like throwing up the rock man and Didn't across- someone get stabbed at their booth yeah there was a lot of violence oh, how exciting. Yeah. people would just get stomped out like the tribal guys would fight like the uh, the other brands it's just like crazy brand streetwear wars i and wish b- it was still like that the energy was so electric everyone's like drunk and high and it's just a big party yeah and so just when you see that you're like you want to be a part of it because so, yeah. so much fun <laughs> yeah. so we were like we're gonna be here in six months we have to be we're, we're, that was the next show it, yep. we, and it was subsequently right after we graduated Yep. we're like we have to be here so what happened was is we were like we're not gonna wait till we graduate we're just gonna start this brand yeah so we ended up uh, printing t-shirts yeah and the, the we didn't know how to make any of this stuff we ended up uh, looking in the yellow pages that's how old I am yeah well, flipped man, the, I mean even
0: I remember the yellow pages. yeah
1: flip through the yellow pages and we found the guy with the biggest ad who had uh, screen printing services. He just, so we called him and he was, his name was Felix, he's out in the valley. And he goes, just bring me the t-shirts, I'll print them for you. We're like, great. We go, uh, we're like, where do you get the t-shirts? And he's, so he smelled the sucker. So he's like, I'll get the t-shirts for you. We give him a couple designs. We we end up uh, going down there to the valley somewhere in North Hollywood. And And you're like scraping up any money you can find to make this happen, right? Yeah, so like I mean, we had probably six hundred bucks between the two of us. Okay. Uh, So we we end up uh, using that six hundred dollars to like print some t-shirts, and we go to this guy, this guy's a crook. He has, he, uh, he's writing up some fake invoice to us while he's opening his drawer. Uh, f- like a hundred fake IDs fall out of it like oh, this. Man. It's like the fun of the apparel. Man. Yeah. I was yeah. like, Oh my God, I could ca- I could fit in well here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, he ends up, uh, uh, whatever doing our first order, ripping us off and w- we get it done. We're so excited. You know, bear in mind, like if I showed you this product, it's disgusting. It's all ugly. Yeah. Like the fact that like yeah. people bought these yeah. is is unbelievable. That's how
0: I feel about early young and reckless stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so I'm we. Sorry, kids, but when I look <laughs> back, when I Google and go back, it's like, man, thank you guys for sticking with me.
1: <laughs> thank God there was no Google when we started. Oh man, I know. <laughs> um, yeah. So go ahead. So, so we end up uh, uh, making these shirts, and you know what? Our friends buy them. Like we yeah. sell out of like our first 60, 70 shirts yeah. and we made like double our money and we were like, Oh, this is great. Yeah. This is easy. So and we a strong
0: ha- fan base of LA Jewish kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our friends were <laughs> rich. Plenty so of money. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, uh, so we end up selling these shirts and we're like, you know what? We're going to throw a party. That's what we were. We, we knew how to do. Yeah. We were like, we're going to throw a party and launch our brand. So in April of 2002, we threw a party at the knitting factory. Yep. And, uh, our friend, uh, Omar Miller, which had just randomly met a week before. Yep. He, Omar was just like this jovial, big dude that just was so cool to us at a party we met. And we just at randomly asked him. He's like, hey, can I come? Uh, can we, Could you mind hosting our party? Yeah, And he's like, was sure. He famous then? No. So he was just a guy oh, that wow. we saw at a bar that was doing a Congo line in a Beverly Hills bar. Incredible. this is Omar Miller from... Uh 8 Mile and now on Ballers and, you know,
0: look it up if you can't picture the face. But, um, yeah. That's
1: yeah, funny. and the fun, the funniest thing about that was he's like, I just filmed a movie. Can I bring my cast? Uh-huh. And we're like, yeah, whatever. Um, more the merrier. So we end up promoting this party. He, later find out the movie is 8 Mile. <laughs> so the whole cast comes. Yeah. And next thing you know it, we we, we throw this party. There's like 500 people in line um like tommy lee is on stage rapping wow like deftones are on the side like i think leo came like Man. i don't even know what happened but the thing became like this phenomenon of a night yeah and randomly we invited some buyers that we had met yeah and they were all like what is this brand yeah and and that's when we we got into our first store our first store was uh, fred siegel in la which is an iconic la retail store yeah that um like that, that launched a lot of brands in, in the last like 30 years yeah. the power of the party i feel like now mm-hmm. it's like you uh you try as hard as you can to make yourself
0: look cool on instagram yeah. or snapchat but yeah. in those days you actually had to do it in real life yeah but um yeah never never take for granted the power of the party
1: yeah so this party was so good um the the irony the buyer that we at Fred Siegel ended up getting laid. So I get an, I, I get an order the next day. Done. So we end up, our first store is Fred Siegel and Fred Siegel to have that as your kind of first store was a yeah. big deal back in those days. And then we, we launch, we get into some more stores and then we graduate and we graduate and we're what like, what
0: happened? Can I ask?
1: Was there a presentation? Did I miss that part? So we did a presentation to like the whole class. Yeah. And everyone, we were the finalists. We we were kind of best business plan. Yeah, because we had kind of already started. And you had to map out like the economics and everything. Yeah, we had to map out uh, pretty much a financial projection, uh, what we thought the next five years would like. The idea was really to build the next, you know, American H and M. That was always our vision. Yeah. And we didn't obviously have the resources, didn't know what that meant or or whatever. But that's kind of what we wanted to do. Yeah. So the presentation went well it went well we won best business plan and And you decided like let's do this for real yeah and you know at that time there was like a pretty bad recession yeah we weren't going to get jobs anyways yeah no one was hiring yeah like like really smart college kids couldn't get jobs yeah so that was all all, pretty much all my friends started businesses yeah because we couldn't get jobs these
0: these recessions are like the ice age like it kills the the dinosaurs and rebirth the new you know like a lot yeah. of the greatest companies i think were born in a recession or yeah tough tough time when people didn't have another option
1: yeah the, like america's greatest companies were birthed out of depression yeah. so it's it's i think it's it's definitely the case because you would just use all your resources to kind you of have figure no this. choice if yeah. it's that or die then yeah um okay so that happened and then
0: you so then you kind of carry on i mean i guess then what's What's the process of actually going on with your life, and now you need this to work to pay the bills? And how did you, yeah, make it a real company?
1: So we graduate, and you obviously need money to do these things. And we we wanted to go to the magic show, so we wanted a booth there. Yeah, we end up calling magic. We're like, how do you get a booth? They're like, all you have to do is it's seventy five hundred bucks. You can have your own booth. Yeah, and we're like, great. Um, we don't have seventy five hundred bucks. Yeah, but I realized that as a student, I had signed up for many credit cards on campus to get a free t-shirt. Yeah. So you get a
0: free t-shirt if you sign up for a credit card. Yeah. Like USC
1: t-shirts and USC merchandise is so fucking expensive. Yeah. Like they charge the students like $35 for a t-shirt. And it's like something you just have to have if you go to USC. Yeah. You want to wear game day and all that. So I was like, all right, let's just. I signed up for a bunch of t-shirts over the years. Yeah. So I had all these credit cards. Yeah. And I didn't know, I never used them, but then I go, look, one had $500, another one had $1,000, the one had $2,000. Oh, boy. So I was like, disaster! I, I can go pay for this booth with this credit card. Yeah. And so swipe, 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 paid for the booth. And then we're off to Vegas for our first trade show. We figure out how to make samples. We make line sheets. We invite all our friends. We build our booth at my parents' backyard. We uh, load it up in a U-Haul and it's like 178 degrees in Vegas in August. And you build the booth and we stayed at a Roach Motel like 20 miles away, like 10 people in two rooms. And we go and we're like we had heard all these stories of brands like LRG and Triple Five Soul back yeah. from back in the day that their first show they did ninety thousand seventy five thousand yeah and we were like oh man we're just gonna you rake in rich. the dough yeah we're like put it on credit and it, get rich later get, yeah, yeah I was like this is the American dream yeah so we go and pretty much nobody even looks at our booth for four days really yeah. We, we, we had like, we were pretty much like circus acts trying to get attention. Yeah. Like we had weird skateboards and like DJs and Makes like. you can't afford Like, and what,
0: Jay-Z's next
1: to you? Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. So like nobody's looking and the product is horrendous. Yeah. And. But like people are like kinda like, Oh, you guys look really young. We look like babies. Yeah. We were twenty one years old at the time. Yeah. So people at least respected that the fact that we were there and like came and at least asked questions like, Oh, like what are you doing over here? Yeah. <laughs> Where's your parents? Yeah, yeah. And then Thursday, which is the last day we wrote like five orders, yep. like pity orders. Yep. Shout out to Corey from Leaders yeah, uh, Corey. in Chicago. That yep. was one of the first orders we ever wrote, and I wow. think it was just out of pity. Yeah. Um, but whatever, we'll take it. Karma Loop was one of the first orders we ever wrote. Yeah. Um, and, and they were just like nice people that were like, hey, you guys look like young, energizing guys. Here's yeah. a couple bucks. Yeah. So we, we the show ends, and the, this, the, the funniest part of this the story is that the show ends, and this thing th- at the end of these trade shows is called Drayage. They give you a bill. Uh So they throw a bill on my desk. It's twelve hundred dollars, and I'm like twelve hundred dollars. And what's that for? To move your stuff from one end of the convention center to the other end of the convention center. It's it's a hustle by the. They have
0: a team that comes in and just moves everyone's shit. It's
1: union, so only union people Uh, can move it. You can't do it yourself if you wanted to. No. Uh. So I get this twelve hundred dollar bill, and I am just like in tears. And they're like, "You can't take your stuff unless you pay this." What a scam! Scam, man. I have to call my mom. And I tell her, I need 1200 bucks right now. Yeah. And they can't take a credit card over the phone. You have to come here with $1,200. Man. So I make my mom fly out to Vegas. Holy hell. That day. Wow. And uh, she lands and she calls me and she's like, where are you guys? I tell her. And I was like, also, can you bring some lunch some del <laughs> oh, taco man. because You're we have not what eaten. <laughs> negative $7,500 is how much you have yeah, yeah so like i have no money and i'm starving so please bring some del taco yeah she brings del taco brings us the money we kind of get out of vegas and we're we're like we got to regroup yeah like this is this didn't work yeah out. <laughs>
0: man, i'm surprised you didn't give up and go work for fushi yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: harsh so we end up uh we end up uh, kind of getting back to the office, which was our glamorous office was my mom's uh, Indian travel agency. Incredible. So uh, she just had a spare office or something. Yeah. She had an extra room. Yeah. So we were in downtown LA. So we worked out of this thing. And like when, you know, it's funny when people would come and pick up like product placement celebs or whatever, they'd yep. be like, wait, why, why is there a, a big namaste sign <laughs> yeah. that's from air India? Oh, um, so we ended up people still, You're
0: good at that, though. I will say one thing is like, you're really good at you're really friendly and you're really good at talking to people, but you're also not afraid to like ask for help or be like, man, please just wear this shirt. Yeah. Like that's one, I think key element in an entrepreneur. Yeah. Everyone looks at entrepreneurs and thinks like it's this glamorous thing and everyone just does favors for you. And like, you really have to learn how to ask for favors. Yeah. No, it's good at that.
1: It's, 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 if you don't ask, you don't get. And, and so we end up coming back to LA and we, we go design more product, I end up tra- end up traveling the country in my car. All I've literally been to every shitty mall there is in this country. Yeah, I've eaten at every food court. I've seen.
0: I've you just that process is you just you just drive there with a bag of your stuff and you say, hey, do you want to buy any of this? Right? Yeah,
1: it's kind of like I, I I put it to like rap life where it's like a mic and a dream. Yeah, it's like I, this is a rack and a dream. Yeah, like you take a rolling rack, you shove it in your car and you go visit as many people that will visit that will talk to you.
0: What part of was email
1: not big then? Or has that just changed? Like, let me just say, was email big then? email was starting to get big and you could email people fairly easily. Like the CEO of like a major retailer would put his email on the website. Yeah. Okay. So like, okay. But I'm saying, I guess what I'm saying is now so much of our business, obviously in clothing,
0: people want to see samples and they want to see what the fabric feels like and whatever. But once you kind of get that up and running, it seems like so much of it is over the phone or emailing line sheets or emailing. You can do a lot over email. But it seems like more so in those days, you literally had to, and when you're starting from nothing, you have to literally show up to everyone's door.
1: Yeah. Like when you show up to Livonia, Michigan, the yeah. retailer's like, I'll give you at least 10 minutes. You yeah. Because
0: nobody comes to Livonia. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Like these places that I would show up to, like no one had been there in, you know, yeah. ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so they were happy to have us. Yeah. And, you know, I made a lot of friends and who are, all, I'm still very close with all over the country. Yeah played basketball in weird cities had lunches dinners and like so it was an incredible experience so we end up doing that we end up getting into more stores going back to magic six months later same exact result same thing yeah oh you got the money you scraped together all the money from
0: your little bit of sales yeah and that's what you got your booth with
1: yeah we got another booth. we got a smaller booth shit on again
0: shit on again what was the problem this time do you think same thing i mean Does the real
1: not, the, the you get down to bare bones the clothes were ugly okay you know that's just really what it was yeah that's a key man lesson
0: <laughs> learned man yeah. is sometimes if it seems like just everything's not quite going your way the product might be shitty yeah whether you're a singer a rapper a designer yeah you really gotta take a look at and i don't know how you
1: even find that out you, you know you know what the biggest delusion of when people start a business start a career a uh, singer creative any creative type of position yeah when you finish your product You're so happy. You're so proud of it. You think it's amazing. And you have to think it's amazing. Mm -hmm. To drive to Livonia,
0: Michigan and to say, hey, buy this, you have to honestly believe that what you're selling means something. Yeah. You know, it's like that's why people get mad when artists and actors and these people are so cocky. But it's like you have to really think you're the best and your product is the best and whatever. But I think that's probably a really common flaw that people don't take the criticism right when you could have.
1: And you should have, and
0: you know what I'm saying. I don't know. That's that's an interesting, because you need that confidence, but at the same time, you can't let that confidence get in your way.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's 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 really the the you need to have that like you're the best attitude, but at the back of it, you got to have a little bit of reality. Like
0: schedule a time, like Friday at 9 p.m. I take a look and really see what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, and like we didn't really see that for five years. Yeah, like we just thought that the world was wrong, and we had figured it out, and nobody, we just didn't know. Reality at that point, yeah, and it's probably due to age, experience, all those things. Yeah. So Let me just say, because this is
0: Dan. If is, is everything okay?
1: Okay, you seem nervous. Dan's Dan's running our uh,
0: our audio, and and for the record, I don't know w- what order I'm gonna release these things, but this is the first one we've ever recorded, so it's super ghetto rigged in my office right now. I but doubt
1: it's even getting recorded.
0: I'm trying to look to see it looks decent, but what I'm saying is this: if at any point something seems alarming, don't hesitate to just give us a knock. You know what I mean? Okay. Anyway, so staying on track. So you went back to the for, to, to year two and got shit on again. Your product is shit, but you still don't know it. I guess at what point, like, when did
1: it start to connect? Uh, probably four years later. Jesus Christ. So and you so know, you just scraped by. Scraped by. We threw parties. We sold direct TV chips. I mean, we did. We did what we had to 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 pay rent, and you know, we lived at home. Yeah. We did. We, we did we took the really really hard route of how to make it in america type story it is that show yeah Yeah. i mean like it's it's like we sat in the screen printers we sat in the the sewers uh in downtown and like we really really learned how to start a clothing company and you know until until we got a partner one day you know four or five years later where by just dumb luck i'm delivering a box of clothes to one of our customers yep um this kind of young korean dude comes to me and goes uh what are you doing here i'm like i'm delivering clothes to the store and he's like let me see it i own the store yeah so i go show him the clothes and he goes man this is the ugliest shit i've ever seen like how long you been doing this i go i don't know like four years and he's like you've been doing this four years what are you like where did you go to school do you know what you're doing by serendipitous chance he ends up going big he went to my high school he was ten years older than me uh-huh. he was successful in the apparel business uh-huh. and he took a liking to me and you know I would keep delivering clothes to this guy and then finally one day uh Andres my partner goes you know what and he's like we should ask this guy for help like we are out of luck this yeah. is like this is three, four years into the business. We don't have any money. I'm like depressed. Is like, it because he was the first guy that
0: told you your stuff looked like shit? Or had a bunch of people told you your stuff looked like shit? Plenty of people had told okay, us it looked so it like just shit. felt right. But
1: this guy was just nice about it yeah. to the point where he was like, let me show you what good clothes look like. Yeah, yeah. And we end up showing him our product. We end up showing up. We had gotten a ton of press. We, we were like in the first ever complex issue. Yeah. We did the first ever agenda trade show. Yeah. So we, you know, we were there in the early days of that street culture. And uh, we end up uh, showing him a press book and he's like, oh, this is. Uh, this is really impressive. How do you get all this press? And yeah. I'm like, you know, we party a lot. We meet people. <laughs> yeah, we throw a hell of a party. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we, people liked us cause we, we partied a lot. Yeah. And he, uh, he was like, this is great. He's like, well, I'm about to start this new line and maybe the guy that's backing me mm-hmm. will back you. Got it. And I was like, why the hell would he do that? Yeah. And he's like, just come to this meeting tomorrow. So t- the next day we go to a meeting in downtown LA out of nowhere. This guy, Eric goes to the investor I'm not coming with you unless you invest in this company. Mm-hmm. And we were like, "What? Like, we're not trying to mess up your deal." <laughs> like, and did he ask for a piece of five four? No, he just wanted to help.
0: Wanted to help. Man, interesting.
1: Crazy. Yeah, and that's so rare. So rare. He just wanted to help, and he he was like, "If I get a piece, it'll be from the other other guy." Yeah. So he ends up uh, convincing this guy to put money in us, and this guy was a man was making clothes in China. He starts showing us how to make jeans and jackets and all this stuff. Yeah. And 12 months later, we had a full collection. Yeah. We go back to magic. The We get into every store. Yeah. We get into like some of the best stores in the country overnight yeah. because of the product. Yeah. And really what denim is what launched us and denim got us the kind of popularity among the specialty retailers, which then led us into Macy's, which led us into the buckle, which led us into like all these Nordstrom's and yeah. all these stores. And that's really like, that's know, when it clicked. It just clicked. And yeah. and, and, the, and it was all because this guy just said, invest in this business, yeah. which we have. No, I mean, it's just like, you know, one of the things, the funniest things about five, four is in our story. There were so many times when we needed money. Yeah even within the first six months of starting the business, we had to pay this con sewing contractor like $2,800. Yep. And like, I was like, I don't have the money. Andres doesn't have the money. And I'm just like, we're screwed. Yeah. We're not paying this guy. Yeah. Like, we should just like try to steal it. Yeah. And I was like, unless there's some miracle money, we're never getting these clothes. Yeah. I don't know what happened the next day. Literally the next day, Wells Fargo sends me a check for $3,000. For what? I don't know. I never asked. I ran to the bank, cashed the check. Oh, man. Pay the vendor. Like, literally, at the ninth, eleventh hour, so many times in our business. Yeah. It was. We've been saved by like the God magical, yeah, yeah, literally God money. <laughs> and you know what? I, at that point, it was just like, wow, that's so lucky. And now that it's happened, it's probably happened like twenty times yeah. in the last fourteen years. See if you can't send some my way. Yeah, I can give the address. Yeah. <laughs> Man,
0: that's incredible. I think that is just a, it's a it's a testament to just holding out as long as you can and just trying and trying and trying, and eventually things happen. Usually if you're open minded and you ask for help and you're open to help. I mean, it sounds like there was so many times when you were almost just dead in the water.
1: Yeah.
0: And it just came together.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the biggest takeaway that we've taken from the business is, and how you run your life and how you operate your business. If you treat people well, you're fair with them, and you're genuinely a good person. Yeah, your ch- your chance will come. Yeah, because you know we waited so long for our chance. Yeah, but despite that, we always played fair, and we just sucked it up, smiled, nodded our head, and kept moving. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's like that's how that's the only way you can do it. If you're too brash and you're egotistical and not humble about it, yeah, like your day will come. Yeah, and and the flip side of it, you get rewarded if you're patient.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I'll say then kind of segueing like I, you know, when I was younger, I guess I I knew a five, four and I, I thought of it mainly, like you said, as a denim brand. Yeah. Um, Cause denim is definitely what you guys were known for. But then, so I'll fast forward to when I was on, I think it was right when I was starting filming fantasy factory yep. after Robin big, I noticed that, uh, Nah, fuck. It was during Robin Big. During Robin Big, Big Black had started a clothing line and it yeah. was crushing it. Yeah, uh, Rob was sponsored by DC and they were crushing it. And so I was kind of on Robin Big, I would say I was like third in line. So I thought, well, maybe I'm just, just enough that I can go get paid by somebody to wear their clothes. So that's where this mutual friend of ours came, introduced me to us the first time. And I believe if I'm not mistaken that I all I wanted was like $500.
1: Yeah. Y- I month. think, I think you said jeans and $500 a month. Yeah. And you would be stoked. And you said, fuck off. You and, little bastard. And I was like, I don't know who any of you people are. Yeah. Um, I've don't skateboard. Fuck. I don't, I just didn't even know what was going on. I got yeah. invited to the fantasy factory. I think it just had opened. Yeah. And I was like, like,
0: I still don't know what the fuck this yeah, is. Yeah.
1: Like what is going on here? Yeah. And, uh, I was like, no, nah, I don't think this is for us. Yeah. Like, you know, and but what's funny
0: is, here's a couple of things. Is number one, if somebody came to me tomorrow and said, "Hey, give me free Young and Reckless and five hundred dollars because I'm on this weird fucking TV show," I'd be like, "Fuck off!" Yeah, right. Here's yeah. a box. Thank you. but <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't pay for that sort of thing. Yeah. And that's what you guys did. But also, like I said, the craziest part of that is, honestly, had you had you given me five hundred dollars a month. I would not have started Young and Reckless. Absolutely no chance. Because what happened was you saying no, I think I only tried maybe two people. I think I got like, I think I squeezed like 200 bucks out of uh, Mark Echo. (laughs) I think I got like a box and 200 bucks from Echo. Um, So, but you saying no and everyone saying no is what caused me to make those fucking retarded drama beats shirts that just said drama beats massive on them and sell them on like my PayPal account on my website which I'm guessing I was making, I don't know, maybe uh, 75 to to $100 a month, which means <laughs> I was selling two or three shirts. <laughs> yeah. Um, But it forced me, once again, it's kind of that like recession, depression sort of thing that causes these things to happen. It was literally that. And for the record, kids, I know when you see somebody on TV, you think, like, oh, they're a millionaire. You're instantly rich. On Rob and Big, I was making zero dollars. I was working for Rob in real life as an assistant. I was making no money on the show. And so I just had no money to spend or to have any fun with. And I saw everyone around me getting rich. Yeah. So had it not been for everyone telling me to fuck off... um, I wouldn't have hit that that part that made me come up with something. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, I'll say then what happened for me was then I so then Robin Big ended, and at that point I thought I was also going to have a career in being a super music producer, right? Which um, didn't happen. But so I uh, stupidly went and Robin Big had just ended. I told Rob I quit, and I went and bought a Benz. Um, with Good probably, move. We yeah, get smart. Yeah. Real smart, With probably the rest of my money yeah. from the from the thing. So 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 that happened. I thought I was going to be a super producer, and the only way to do that is to have a Benz and to quit your job. And so I think you it, had some rims too. I sure as hell did. Yeah. So <laughs> so it was part of the whole scheme. So right. anyway, um, so this isn't about me, but it just so happened that then Fantasy Factory started. MTV came back and said, "We want another show from you guys." what do you got? What are you working on? Blah, blah, blah. Rob came up with the concept for Fantasy Factory. I wasn't working for him anymore, but we were still really good friends. Um, We were familiar faces. They wanted us back on the air. We got the show picked up pretty easily um, for Fantasy Factory because Robin Big was a hit and we just stopped doing it. Um, So then I knew, well, shit, here I am again. I'm back on TV starting potentially another hit show. I need my thing. I'm not going to let this happen again where I'm the guy who got left uh, broke. So that's when I, long story short, came up with the name Young and Reckless and kind of the rough concept. And that's when said mutual friend reintroduced us. And I don't really, I guess, too clearly remember like that initial meeting. I don't know if you do, but I just know that it was like, we were just telling everyone, Hey, I have this idea and it's going to be the next biggest thing. And this show is going to be a hit. And do you remember that at all?
1: Yeah. I remember those, there's all these other weird, like white guys in the room. Yeah. I don't remember who they were though. With tattoos and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, (laughs) Hey, this is about to be crazy. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) So the
0: funny thing is, and I'll say from my perspective, I mean, so then that's what happened. There was the opportunity. I I realized that, you know, you're not going to get rich being a reality TV star. And I didn't want, to be a reality TV star. So I had to start this thing. So what I did is I went with this concept and I went to the guy I knew that, thank God, had just grinded it out for the last 10 years and made all these mistakes um, and said, hey, how do I figure this out? So the funny thing too, and I I know I'm kind of rambling here, but the funny thing too is that a lot of people think that Young and Reckless was kind of manufactured, or it was a licensing deal, or maybe Rob did it, or DC owns it, or they're not really sure. But what's funny is nobody knows that really you're the biggest reason why it even happened. Because Thank you. Rob and D- of course Rob and DC and, and those guys they had no involvement in it. And I I only would have had uh, a brand to put on TV if i actually had a brand and you were the guy that i went to that actually made sure that this thing became real so i don't know i guess you know what i'm getting at there is is talk a little bit about like why you think i mean young and reckless we pretty much launched it we integrated it into the show and it was pretty much off to the races very different story yeah than 5'4 and then driving to michigan and doing all those things why you know why do you think the story was so different?
1: I I think a, it was a combination of a couple things. One was we finally had experienced uh, how to build a brand and make clothes, and we knew yeah. what it took. Yeah. Um. We just never had the firepower. Yeah. And young and reckless had firepower. Yeah. Right. It had, it had an incredible name. Yeah. It it Thank was you. uh, it was uh a great kind of moment for MTV at that point because yep. all eyes were on MTV. The yeah. youth paid attention to MTV. Yeah, that's even changed so much. Yeah, yeah. and and you guys were the it of-the-moment kind of people on MTV. Yep. You're this young guy, and you were able to integrate it on TV in a way that, like, it's just not done anymore, right? Yeah. Like, it's either you pay a fortune for it or, you know... It's just or, the, or the network
0: takes a piece. That's yeah. the other thing. Is MTV doesn't own a piece of yeah. Young and Reckless of anything we did. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and it was just you know it was just the two of us working on it. And I think it was very simple. We knew that if you integrated the the, the product onto the show, yeah. and we could handle the operations of it that we could build this brand. And the good thing is we didn't waste any money. We day one were very profitable and we invested in things that made the brand better, like product and visuals. And, you know, I think we took our time. I think, you know, most people, when they see a brand take off like Young and Reckless, they, one of the things I had learned is You have to take your time. Like, for example, we just launched denim for Young and Reckless. We're almost six and a half years years old, right? We could have launched denim five years ago. I knew I've been making jeans for like almost 10, 11 years. Uh, But I didn't feel like it was the right time for the brand. And when we launched Young and Reckless, we were disciplined on making T-shirts and hats and hoodies. Because that's what we have to introduce the customer to and make them comfortable with the brand. So we were on a great kind of uh, pace to, to, to develop product w- along with our customer. We grew with our customer. Yeah. When our customer was ready to buy a jacket, we made jackets. When our customer was ready to buy uh, women's, we made women's clothing. So yeah. I think that was the, the real genius of the success of young and reckless yeah. is that we were very patient in, in developing product and developing mm-hmm. ideas and even maturing the brand. You know, yeah. we, the, the way, the, the way we wanted to dress at the time, yeah. wasn't necessarily what Young and Reckless was. Yeah. But, you know, w- I knew we would get there. It would just take time. Yeah. And that is how I dress. You know, I was still wearing DC and, fuck, I don't know, yeah. like
0: snapbacks and all that stuff. Um, And so, for me, it integrated so well into our world. I didn't have to fake it, you know? It yeah. just was. And another big point, too, that I want to say, and really you deserve the 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 credit for this, Um, is a lot of people ask me, well, well, where'd you get the money or who put up the money or did MTV put up the money? Did Rob put up the money whatever. And, and really the, the brilliant thing that that was D's driving was that, um, we, I had the show and I knew that if I had a brand, like MTV had started asking in their show notes, like what's drama doing? Like, what are we, can't we get an episode about what drama has been working on? Cause I wasn't working for Rob and I was just kind of in limbo and they're like, is he making music or what's he doing? Um, And so I knew that if I had a brand, I could tie it in and I could integrate it and I could make it make sense. But you had the presence of mind to just only spend the money on one round of samples, which was probably a couple hundred bucks. Um, I wore it nonstop during filming of the show because that was free. Um, And then as soon as the show was being done, that episode was the first episode was done being uh, edited, not aired edited. We took the DVD down to pack sun yep. and we said, Hey guys, this is the next biggest brand and the next biggest hit TV show. Um, you can have it exclusively. What'd you promise them for six months or something?
1: Yeah. They would, they would pretty much launch the brand.
0: Yeah. Like you launch the brand, all the, all the attention will go to you, but you have to take it for all doors. Um, so I think not only is that just a really resourceful that you probably only learned from going through and having to learn how to like come up with tricky shit. Yeah. Um, but that was a key, key element. And, and when a lot of kids ask me like, where'd you get the money or or who, who invested? Now, lesson learned, I do think that's part of the magic in Young and Reckless was that you were so incredibly resourceful. But then that on top of that, we kind of, the founder, the other founder being me, also just happened to have tied in a lot of eyeballs. Yeah. And normally you'd have to either go pay or go convince or go give equity away to somebody with an audience. Yeah, and it was to market.
1: and it was organic. Like you genuinely were starting a brand. Yeah. And so the story was real. It wasn't a fabricated one. So it was very believable and it was authentic to the, yeah. to the customer, which I think like a really, really good clothing brand that can last the test of time has to be authentic. Yeah. Like people worship brands like Supreme because they were authentic. Yeah. And I think Young and Reckless is the epitome of authentic because it is actually what you wanted to start yeah. and and the kids resonated with it. Yeah, it's
0: interesting. And it just so happens too that the show, you know, Fantasy Factory had a lot, it was an entrepreneur-based.
1: Exactly. You know, so it
0: wasn't like you were trying to tie something in that didn't tie in. Um, interesting. It's just, I, I think back about that a lot and a lot of things lined up and a lot of things worked out yeah. and a lot, of, you know, how that went was.
1: was and, and like, it, it, was, it was at a time even for our business which was like miracle money too. Yeah, Like we were, we just, another recession. Yeah, it was 2009.
0: Yeah. And right? also yeah, uh, Young and Reckless launched in a recession
1: Yeah. Too. I mean like, we were struggling with 5-4 yet again yeah. and people owed us so much money. They were going bankrupt. Like just every, bad thing that could have happened happened. Yeah. And then lo and behold, six months later, we launched Young and Reckless and it's like the fastest growing brand in in its segment. Yeah. So I think like, you know, that's, that's what I always used to say, like just patience, things will work out. And then Young and Reckless was off to the races. I mean, yeah. we haven't, we haven't stopped since those six and a half years. It just grows every single year. And I think it's evolving into what I mean, I don't think either of us thought it would have no, walked into this. I no mean, chance. E- even I think most people thought it was going to be like this merchy t shirt brand that kind of fizzles out after the television show. 100%. And it's gotten substantially larger since the television show yeah. has ended, which is crazy.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what caused us to do that. I think we recognize that threat and i think you are a real clothing guy and i didn't want to be a reality tv guy i wanted a real business and i wanted to be an entrepreneur and so we knew that thread and we worked twice as hard knowing that people that was the perception and we needed to prove people wrong you know but i guess the next thing then is like being that it's came so far you know now it's denim we have a denim collection that's 39.99 two for 60 we have a girl's line that's 14 bucks for some things and and obviously that's a lot of work in production and a lot of work in getting those things down but you know what i'm saying is um not only have we developed now these full collections you can wear a young and reckless head to toe but with the price and with those things talk a little bit about the new strategy i mean when we came in the game it was essentially you know my goal was to be a streetwear brand but for the mall yeah and and be at streetwear price point you know maybe a little below but be at mall stores um but now that's obviously changing i mean talk about that a little bit yeah
1: about. i i think you know i'm going to reference back to that first time we walked into h&m and i saw like fashion that was accessible yep. and you know we've gone through i've been through now what 14 years of of clothing and i've seen so many things come and go i saw ed hardy von dutch i saw the premium denim craze yeah. uh uh brands that are red red monkey which is uh, was got 1200 hundred dollar pair of jeans oh, that yeah. people used to wear evisu all these brands and at the end of the day people used to uh equate brand price with brand uh integrity or brand quality uh, quality yeah. or like you know it's worth and yep. you know with the new digital age and transparency being so important, I don't equate price with brand integrity. In fact, I find it sometimes the opposite, yeah. the fact that you are going to charge a thousand dollars for let's say a pair of jeans or a jacket yep. that to me that means you have no integrity yeah like you are literally ripping people off, yeah, and yeah. a lot
0: of those brands are actually smaller brands yeah. right a lot of those luxury thousand dollar for a pair of jeans are actually smaller brands, yeah, which sometimes doesn't allow them to do some of the same things i mean h and m can buy damn it the whole the lights just went out. Guys, I know it's a podcast. I know you can be open. The license when we're, we're talking to each other in the dark. and uh, HM can go buy the a, an entire factory and actually cut costs that way. I mean yeah. Visu wasn't doing that. They were getting
1: Yeah, they were getting a hundred pairs of jeans in cost. Japan. Yeah. yeah. So like, you know, I don't blame people for charging prices, but I don't I also on the flip well, side. Well no, no, sorry. I guess irrelevant, but what I'm saying is I guess what I'm saying is sometimes
0: you end up getting a shittier product or a shittier, you know. Uh, marketing or a shittier brand because some of those brands are small brands and they're just I don't know they're just bending over backwards to try to sell 10 pairs of $1,000 jeans as opposed to having a proper infrastructure and being a big brand I mean yeah Nike makes incredible quality stuff you yeah. know what I mean because they can and they can afford to do that yeah and I don't it, know it's just some of the holes I've seen
1: yeah and I think I think for for my view going forward I think For a brand like Young and Reckless, which I think we all agree that it's for it's for it's for everybody, Um, definitely not an elitist brand by any any stretch of the imagination. So if you're going to be for everybody, then you have to be one. I think from a product standpoint, make incredible product that everyone can wear, and then second, be at a price point that everyone can access. Because you know, like I think H and M and Zara and Forever Twenty Ones of the world have have proven that like you can integrate those products into your kind of wardrobe yep. and feel proud about it. There's nothing to be ashamed about and young and reckless is an incredible brand that is now building incredible product at an incredible price. Yep. And the future really is is selling to the customer directly yep. because we can service them better. We can give them a better brand experience. And you know, we all know like the, the world has changed. Like sure. There still will be malls, yep. but I don't know if that's desired location of a young person today. Yeah. Like They they you know it's all about like you always say like, you know your social media defines you, yeah. not the logo on your T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, if the if the social media is the one that defines you, then you're defined by your experiences, not your clothes anymore. Yeah. yeah. And so you know things like that have changed the way we look at things. So cl- the clothing is not a top priority on young people's mind today. Yeah. So the only way you can get them to make it a priority is making it super accessible. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's the future of young and reckless making incredible fashionable I mean like if you look, if you went on the site right now and looked through the product on the men's or the women's side on recklessgirls.com yep. you'll see that we are so spot on trend yep. and giving giving a mass audience an ability to to look cool and feel good about themselves. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I want to be clear too like our goal and this is one thing that we had a lot in common our goal was always to be accessible. Like we wanted every single kid to be able to wear it and to feel cool and it was our job to be cool so they felt cool when they wore it but we wanted every kid to be able to get it we never i hated the streetwear or the designer mentality of like we're better than everyone or you can't get us you can only get it in new york and paris and i that just was weak to me so i think we've we've done an incredible job at getting you know making denim for 39.99 is not you know way better than i do not an easy thing to do I mean, it's a lot of trips to Japan and it's a lot of work, you Yeah, know, but you, you, you guys really figured that out. I think two to keep, cause how long have we been? How long are we at? We're almost an hour, 50 minutes. Okay, cool. Great. So, so, so my next thing then is, so five, four, so going back to five, four, you, you went through all this stuff. It was your school project. You launched the brand. You finally got your stride. Five, four goes on to become successful brand Macy's uh, all these department stores open up your own stores. Mm -hmm. Successful brand for how many years now? 14, 14 years. Okay. So Jesus Christ. So, but today five, four has an entirely different business plan than those days. Yep. Tell the people a little bit about what five, four does now.
1: So, so you know, when the recession hit in 2008, 2009, we probably got in one month in 2008, like two million dollars of clothes returned to us. Yep, and that's the
0: killer, guys. For anyone starting a clothing line, that's the that's the death blow.
1: And like you knew things were bad because they they one of the retailers, which I will not name because mm-hmm. uh, we still do business with them. <laughs> yep. Um, returned like forty thousand pairs of jeans because the side stitch was not a golden enough brown. Jesus. And no questions asked. All the styles were rejected. And so we knew we were in for a dogfight. Yep. And Macy's chargebacks, Macy's cut us. And, you know, we quickly realized that 5 Four's look, if you're not familiar with it, it's it's classic menswear contemporary product. So a la Gap, J. Crew, Ralph Lauren type kind of look. And we quickly realized if we were going to be a wholesale business selling to these stores, we were never going to dethrone Ralph Lauren, Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger at Macy's. It ain't Ralph though. It ain't Ralph though. We ain't Ralph though. (laughs) And and we we realized like this is this is we're going we're eventually this this story is going to end at this path. Yeah. So we were like, all right, we're gonna go direct like H and M. We're gonna open up stores. Yeah. So we go open up three stores in like eighteen months. You quickly realize you only do well when you're fifty percent off. Yep. Nobody walks into your store if you're not on sale. Ain't that the damn truth. And this was peak recession. Like the every store in the mall was discount, discount, discount. Yep. Then on top of that, we're a men's store only. No men like to shop. Nope. No men like to spend money on clothes. Hate it. They don't even know what the hell to buy. No clue. So it's actually the worst business you can be in <laughs> yeah. is being a menswear retailer. Yeah. And so we're sitting there with these three stores. We had just launched an e-commerce site. That only did well when we were fifty percent off, yeah, so you know we're operating young and reckless, things are going great, we're like committing suicide at five four, yeah, we just don't know what to do yeah. and all of a sudden, this whole like digital revolution starts happening before us. Yeah. Um, I'm at dinner one night, and this guy tells me that he's starting a business where you press a button and a car picks you up. Yeah. Black car. And Sounds I'm like, familiar. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, uh, and I'm like, oh, what is this? I'm like, why would I ever need a black car to come pick you up? Yeah. And you know, it, it's Uber. And it's fucking uber guys <laughs> it
0: sounded like what you push a button on your phone and a fucking car shows up and now it's uber
1: yeah and Jesus. like i'm sitting there at dinner with these guys and they're telling me this i'm at south by southwest and this guy introduces me to an app that just launched that day that makes your pictures look better and i'm like i don't even take pictures why yeah, do i want my phone uh, why do i why do i want my pictures to look better i don't even have any pictures stupid and that was instagram fucking instagram <laughs> so i'm sitting Jesus. around I'm, I'm around all these people that are just building this incredible Incredible businesses and sh- disrupting the way we live. Yeah, and really funny story. It's
0: funny that you didn't think like I'm. I'm gonna stop making fucking clothes and make a goddamn ad. Yeah. <laughs> <You know what laughs> like, no, I, okay, I, I can make my jeans work into this. Yeah. that's funny. No matter
1: the real reason for that is, n- no matter how bad the clothing industry gets you, and how bad our business was, and how hard our times were, yeah. it is the most fun industry to be in. It really is, it and. Is-
0: they are smarter than we are. Yes. <laughs> we just know that. Yeah.
1: And we're not going to go, go into that world. And like, sure. no matter what everyone, it's the same reason why like everyone wants to be in music or be, or yeah. move to LA and be an actor in in LA. Kids grew up. They want to be in clothing because yeah. it is the most fun desired profession to have. Yeah, like, They'll
0: still hit. I mean, uh, D here will still get texts from, from people. Saying, hey, well, what's up with the reckless girls, though? Yeah, you know, and it's like these
1: billionaire tech
0: guys, and you know, but we have all the fun, I
1: guess. Yeah, and and that's what it was, and you know, we're sitting there one day. I'm sitting in my store in Century City Mall, and uh, a friend of mine. Father comes in to the store and th- he's sitting there. It's actually Robert Shapiro, if you're watching yeah. the, the OJ show right yeah, now. Incredible. And uh, his son is a friend of mine. They're in my store and he's saying, I was like, oh, what brings you to the mall? They're like, we're, che- we're launching a new business uh, with Kim Kardashian. You should check it out. Uh-huh. And he was like, you should go meet Kim. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. So I walk out. There's like 10,000 girls in line to meet Kim Kardashian. Jesus. And was
0: this what, post-sex tape, pre-TV?
1: Yeah. Maybe right? just the TV. It started. Got it. And uh, I was like, "What? what's the concept? He's explaining to me. He's like, it's a subscription. You pay $39 a month and we curate women's shoes. Uh-huh. And I was like, holy crap, this is an incredible idea. And yeah. Kim is the face of it.
0: So Kim was the, okay. Kim was the face, like the ambassador. So they were just paying her like a fee.
1: Yeah. Or maybe she had some equity in the business. I don't don't remember the exact specifics. And that brand was what? Or that business was what? It's called Shoe Dazzle. Okay. Yeah. And it launches and uh, I was just so happened to be there at the mall the day it launched and they had like a little kiosk and I was just like blown away. I was like, so you... It's your own brand. You create the shoes, you manufacture it, and you're providing incredible value yeah. to women. Like th- most of the women in, in America can can only afford this price point. Yeah. And you get a new shoe every month.
0: But it's a Shoe Dazzle brand shoe?
1: Yeah. Wow. So they end up uh, launching and it just explodes. Yeah. So I go come back to the office, talk to my brother, talk to Andres, and we're like, we got to figure this out. Like how do we come up with something? Yeah and Andres kind of figures out like the men's version of that yep. and the men's version is uh eight uh questions that you fill out that determine what type of guy you are yep. puts you into three buckets and then You put your credit card in, you pay $60 a month, and you get two to three, five, four items a month. Yeah. So we launch it casually May in 2012. Don't really promote it. Yeah. Kevin Pereira plugs it. Our friend, Kevin, who had a television show on G4.
0: Pointless podcast and G4. Yeah. Attack of the show. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he ends up plugging it. So we get a bunch of members. Um, And, you know, for like 18 months, we're like, wow, this is really cool business. Like we should see if we can keep doing this. So we start investing a little bit in learning how to do customer service and learning how to do, uh, how does production work for this and gathering all this data. Then finally in December 13, we're like, why do we have stores still like yeah this is dumb so we shut down our stores we were still wholesaling our business to a handful of people yeah but it was this, it was one of those things where like why are we in these stores we don't differentiate we're too expensive and let me ask you this at that time if you can tell me
0: what percentage of your business was your stores and wholesale versus at that moment uh, subscriptions or this web thing
1: I mean we hadn't even done in 2012 like, not even a million dollars in subscription. Yeah. and It was and, nothing.
0: And way more than that in retail and wholesale. Yeah. So just that risk. Yeah. I mean, I get it, but yeah. you're, you're just, you've always been good at like trusting, you see clearly that what's happening and yeah. what the trend is, where it's going, but your ability to like, I mean, that's a massive risk to shut down those stores. and.
1: Yeah. And we were just at a point, we had been doing this now at that point, 10 years and we were like, how much longer can we like put up with the, what we're doing? Yeah. Like we're at the mercy of a retailer that doesn't respect our business. Yeah. So, sucks. so we just decided, you know what, shut down the stores, shut down wholesale business. It's this membership subscription model or yep. bust. Yeah. And in December of 13, we launched it and it's full focus. And the only way you can access the five, four is through this model. And yep. we started, doing things like Facebook advertising, Google advertising, YouTube advertising. Yep. And lo and behold, we went from like adding like five members a day. Yep. Then one day we were adding fifty members a day. Yep. Then the next day we were adding a hundred members a day. Next thing you know it, like we're adding like almost 10,000 members a month. Yeah. And the brand just explodes. Yeah. And Incredible. and and today it's like probably the leading digital men's fast fashion player in america there's
0: there's there's i see copycats now which is good yeah it's great it's a good sign yeah um but you guys really were the first you took that leap. that's what i respect so much about it it's easy to see someone something successful um and then go make your version of it and yeah. kind of know that the market is there. Yeah. But to really do it, you know, and, and be the first one there when there's not five other to prove that it works or that yeah. somebody's getting rich off of it, that's a risky thing, especially yeah. to shut down, completely abandon the old way of doing business in order to pursue this new one is sketchy.
1: Yeah, we pretty much jumped out of a plane with kind of a broken parachute. Yeah, like and a said, big tablecloth. Yeah, and yeah. we're like, hope hope we land softly. Yeah. And, you know, we were, you know, partial luck partial experience partial just patience yeah you know the brand just kind of exploded and now it's like it's 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 really become this like platform for like this you know working professional male to to get clothes yeah and it really has such a massive audience now and the and really the future is just we've built this platform that we think we can uh kind of service this whole whole group of guys, yeah. and 5-4 is the first brand underneath it, yep. and the rest is now gonna be developing different categories, different brands, yeah. that service that guy. Yeah. So like, he's gonna need a pair of dress shoes, yep. we're gonna get him dress shoes, yep. he's gonna need a tie, we're gonna get them ties. Yeah. So now you have the access. Yeah. Now they come to you anyway. Yeah. Like one and a half million guys filled out our quiz last year. Yeah. That's insane. That's insane. I don't know one and a half million guys to do anything. Yeah. You You, think know? Could, you might be able to sway the election. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Make sure Trump does that. <laughs> yeah. Man. So so I think like you know that's kind of where Five Four is at today. And yep. and it's funny is that we had this really cool dinner last night for a co- collaboration we did with Robert Geller and I'm looking at around at the people at the dinner table and like I, it was like the first sign of like, damn, finally. Yeah. Like people are like here to celebrate what we're doing. Yeah. And they're fi- We're finally getting credit. Yeah. That like you guys did it. And the people at your dinner are,
0: richer and more successful than were at your dinners five years ago. Yes. You know, you know, when the audience, yeah, when the more successful and rich and happy people show up to your Hollywood
1: dinners, yeah,
0: you know, you're on the right path.
1: Yeah. And everyone in the, everyone in the room has a successful business in the apparel or retail industry at a time when the apparel and retail industry is in the toilet. Yeah. So to be surrounded by people like that, and then kind of giving you that validation like you guys you guys welcome to the club. Yeah, you did. Yeah. You, you know? belong here. Yeah. Yeah, and so it, it was it was really exciting. Yeah, that's good. I um
0: it's incredible and it's incredible to have watched it happen. And and really you did an incredible job also at never letting that like take away. There was a lot going on. I mean when you when we started Young and Reckless and you guys had retail stores, I just assumed they were killing it. You don't know, right? Yeah. And I, and I, you didn't I didn't see the panic and then when you guys were sitting there formulating this entire plan I didn't know. You know, it just kind of seemed like these things happened. You did a really good job at separating the two strategies is what I'm saying. And I think that it's crazy to see how that's progressed and how Young and Reckless is progressing. And sometimes it takes a moment to take this step back and look at these things, but it's really a lesson in never getting complacent and constantly evolving. And, like, it's easy to be really hot one year and have it all figured out but next year things are going to change a little yeah and you can either evolve with it or you know or or, or not
1: yeah and like you know i don't know how healthy this is but like i operate with fear yeah i always
0: i do too I like i that. don't think I, I would think about like i should talk to somebody about that but i really do
1: yeah because like i don't i always assume that there is a young kid sitting in his room, yeah, trying to plot how he's gonna destroy our business, yeah. There and is. there is, and 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 good for them, and yeah. they're gonna figure it out one day, yeah. And we have to be, you know, my biggest, my biggest fear is I'm fighting time, right? So like, yeah. as I get older, I always feel like I'm getting irrelevant, yeah. So especially in a business like this, which is always about youthful energy, yeah. So like, it's it's crazy to watch like. Uh, These new young businesses and young brands that are developing and it keeps me on my toes because I know they would You know, they're the next set of brands if we don't protect our kind of
0: and they have nothing to lose Yeah,
1: they are in a recession. Yeah from now until they figure
0: that shit out. Yeah They're the they're all the things that made all these ideas come about and made got us where we are They're in it now. So they have the hunger that we you know, I don't that's why I think it was like Drake one time said he's not worried about like J. Cole and Kendrick and he's worried about the kid in his room that wants to be the next Drake because that's the real threat.
1: Yeah, no, that's absolutely like I don't I don't look at like um, the gap or J. Crew or Macy's and be like, oh, they just did this. Like I could give a shit less. Yeah. I sit on I'll sit and read about some weird company on complex or high beast and do and understand how they built that following. Cause yeah. to me, that's more important because that's how you stay ahead of the game. I agree. I agree.
0: So lastly, I mean, I guess we can, we can wrap it up. We've hit our hour, but I think, you know, in kind of a general wrap up, like this thing is all about, um, kids and giving kids some direction. And actually, now that I think of it, it's about educating our worst enemy, which is the kid in his bedroom. Yeah. Damn it. Maybe this should be called the worst enemy (laughs) podcast. Um, Damn. Um, But that being said, what would you, you know, in a general wrap up, what would your if a kid came to you today and said, hey, man, I'm broke. I'm very mildly talented. um, But damn it, I want to start a clothing line. What do you what would you tell him?
1: I would, my first, I'm going to tell him don't start one because everyone else told me not to start one. So I'm going to continue that age old tradition. You got to test the passion. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'm going to tell them you're probably not going to make it. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough talent. Yeah. And that's That's one thing that people don't say enough. Yeah. And, and like if at that point they say, I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah. Then I would tell them focus on your product cuz that's something I didn't do. Yeah. I didn't focus on my product for a very very long time or I yeah. didn't appreciate or understand that. Yeah. Because at the end of the day like you have to make incredible product if you're going to be in whatever industry you're in. If you're a musician, if you're an actor, if yeah. your product is not good, yeah. you're not in the game. Yeah. So I think you have to make sure and 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 learn how to dissect your product from your opinion. Like you're obviously going to think it's good. Yeah. Think about it the way I used to always think about it. Is if when my clothes are hanging in Macy's, why the fuck would anyone buy 5.4 over any of the other brands? Yeah, I could never figure it out. Yeah, I literally came to the uh, uh, the realization one day: no one should be buying my brand at Macy's yeah. when it, Ralph Lauren's fifty percent off. Yeah, so I just
0: I, and it's just listening, man. Like we still to this day, we put a lot of shit up on ecom on, on our online store to see. If people like it, and sometimes yeah. you get a hit and you make more of it. Sometimes you just don't. Or yeah. people don't like it on Instagram. Or people don't buy your shit. It might be not because everyone else is a hater or everyone yeah. else is whack, but your shit sucks.
1: Yeah, and and like I think I think the product is number one. Yeah. First and foremost. Second is patience. Yeah. Like massive amounts of patience. When I graduated college, they said the first f- five years really is when you, f- you, you you figure it out right <laughs> yeah, they yeah. suck and it's gonna be hard and blah blah yeah i'm gonna go on a limb uh, yep. based on my dinner conversation last night with some very prominent brands that are hot right now yeah we all came to the realization it's 10 years yeah it's not five yeah it takes 10 years to figure out your craft yep. and be very very good at it where you can actually start making money and building a real business yeah. if you do it before that kudos to you but more than likely it takes 10 years and, and it may not be in that particular like in clothing it might not be that brand that you end up doing for 10 years yeah. but 10 years at working at something yeah. will get you really it's really like good the ten thousand
0: hours exactly. strategy and i even think like with the young and reckless thank god and let me thank you again that you did 10 years for me essentially uh, but i also think like we kind of jumped into a new territory than you had been before in a new genre and a new style of marketing than you had been before i still feel like at six years old, we're still trying to figure out exactly what young and reckless could be. Yeah. You know, and I still think after, t- I'm excited to see after 10 years, I think we'll be in a whole different place. Yeah. You know what I mean? And better prices, better product, better things. And either way, you can't really avoid that 10 years. Yeah. It is like the 10,000 hour.
1: Yeah. I think the, the patience that the patients that, I mean, and, and we live in a world where, you know, you press a button, a car comes, you press a button, your food comes. Yeah. So you press a button, you don't get shit when you start <laughs> you your don't business. Get a brand. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you have to be extremely patient. I actually, this is one thing that like a lot of people don't talk about. And now that I'm like, I feel like I'm an old like uh, sage in the uh, clothing business. Yeah. I look at it like, I think in order to have a successful business for a very long time and be happy you have to be a good person. Yeah. Like you have to treat people fairly. You have to treat people well. There's nothing wrong in doing that and building and being cutthroat in your business yeah. and being like, I work harder, you know, I work harder harder today than I ever did, but I don't have to treat people poorly. Yeah. I don't have to speak down to people. And like, this is only me talking because like, I know everyone idolizes Steve Jobs. Yeah. But he like, was a fucking dick. He was a dick. Yeah. Like when you read the book, you read the movie or watch the movie, yeah. it's it to me that's disgusting. Yeah. Like I would never and like That's
0: how I feel about Kanye in the sense of like kids look at that and think that that's how you're supposed to act. Yeah. And that the only way to be successful or to invent new things or to make hit records is if you're fucking crazy or you're a fucking asshole. Yeah. And I hate that. I think there's so many people that are good people. It's hard to balance because a lot of people test you and a lot of people will be assholes to you. Yeah. Um, And to keep your composure through 10 years of that is really hard to do. But yeah, I I do agree with that. And I think there's a lot of bad examples and a lot of the good examples you don't hear about.
1: Yeah. And I think the reason why I got all that miracle money is that because we were we were fair with people. Yeah. And we treated people well. And like there's people that former former employees or Former associates who now come back and still want to do stuff with us. Yeah. Cause they were like, Yeah, this is great. Like there's some really notable names out in the apparel business that we worked with. Yeah. That now they're big shots and they're like happy to do stuff for us. Yeah. Just because we were good to them. Yeah. So I think like those are like the key elements that I think I would give advice to like young people that are starting out is just like focus on your product. That you have to be really, really good at that. Yeah. Be extremely patient and be a good person. And don't be a fucking asshole. Yeah. Assholes don't win. They don't. The, they don't. At the end, the karma gets you. Like rest in peace, Steve Jobs. But like, yeah. I, I'm not gonna say it, but, but like that's something. Sh- yeah. That was up. early. Yeah. Way too early. That's it. Uh, you know, b- like Bill Gates made all that money. Probably did a lot of questionable things, and he's gonna cure malaria. And probably he's gonna cure it to 127. Yes. Because yeah. like you realize, like on your way to the top, if you did questionable things, you. Yeah. Have to give back yeah and you can't you can't take that shit for granted and too many people think they did it by themselves yep. no you didn't it takes a village to raise a child yeah. it takes like a fucking county to yeah to to make a brand or a business successful yep yeah lot, incredible yep well on that note
0: i will say we should end this thing uh most importantly you go first. Give them the 5-4. I mean, they just heard the 5-4. I don't know how many people that are going to listen to my podcast. we button-ups, but yeah. where do they go? 5 four, clubcom It's that easy. Go there, sign up, tell them a little bit about yourself. They're going to give you a nice little box, and you don't ever have to shop again.
1: Yes, and use the code D, D-E-E, and get 50% off.
0: Bingo. We can see if anyone's even listening out there. <laughs> um, and then, of course, mine is youngandreckless.com and recklessgirls.com get yourself some denim it's cheap as shit but not quality just price (laughs) thanks d all right man i appreciate it